0: The moral of tonight's episode, don't answer the phone if you don't know the caller. And if you do answer the phone, know your horror movies. the first episode of the Cynical Cinephile podcast. My name is Brandon. I'm also Brandon of the Real Pundits podcast, but this is not the Real Pundits, as Alex will not be joining me tonight. Tonight, we're going to be reviewing one of my favorite horror movies that began one of my favorite horror movie franchises, Scream. For those of you that haven't seen it, this is your spoiler warning. Turn off the episode. Don't continue down this. It is I'm going to cover some things, I'm going to go over the plot, You're going to, I'm going to reveal the ending, I'm going to give you my opinions, so if you don't want it spoiled, don't listen further, but if you haven't seen Scream, you've been living under a rock or not watching movies. This is one of the biggest things to come out of the 90s, so we're going to go right into it. Scream is a 1996 American slasher film directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson. The film stars David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, and Drew Barrymore. Wes Craven reinvented and revitalized the slasher genre with his modern horror classic, which remains to be funny, clever, scary, and probably the most meta and self-aware movie that's ever hit the big screen. Released on December 20th, it follows the character of Sidney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell, a high school student in the fictional town of Westboro, California, or Woodsboro, California, uh, who becomes a target of a mysterious killer in a Halloween costume. The film combines black comedy and the whodunit mystery with the violence of us, the slasher genre. Then it perfectly satirizes and, uh, the cliches of the horror movies. Um... And that were popularized in films like Craven Zone, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Scream was considered unique at its time and of release for featuring characters who were aware of real-world horror films because everybody's asked the question, as they've seen a horror movie, do they not watch horror movies? This openly discussed the cliches that the films attempted to subvert while acknowledging how great some of their pre- predecessor films were. The film was inspired by the real-life case of the Gainesville Ripper. Scream was influenced directly by Williams' passion for horror films and this real-life murder. The script, originally titled Scary Movie, was bought by Dimension Films and was retitled Screamed by the Weinstein brothers just before filming was complete. And to be honest, I'm glad they did because we all know what the Wayans brothers did with the actual movie title of Scary Movie, by far one of the best parody films to ever come out. Parodying Scream, in fact. The film received positive reviews and was a financial success. It earned $173 million worldwide, becoming the highest-grossing slasher film until the release of Halloween in 2018. (coughs) Excuse me there. It still remains the highest-grossing slasher film in adjusted dollars. Scream marked a change in the genre as the cast was already established and successful actors, which was considered to have helped it find a wider audience, including a significant female viewership. So, let's go ahead and get into the plot here. Don't want to waste much time. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of it. High school, the movie opens with high school student Casey Becker, played by Drew Barrymore, receiving a mysterious phone call from somebody she doesn't know. It's a bit flirty, and they, it, you know, like I said, it's an unknown person, so she's kind of weirded out, but seemingly willing to talk, which is very unrealistic. And if you ask me, wouldn't happen in real life, maybe in the 90s, but, you know, that was before caller ID and social media. Now we just get dick pics sent to women over social media. You know what? I think it probably holds up. Uh, during which they discuss you know, during that conversation they discuss horror movies however the caller turns sadistic and threatens her life he reveals to have her boyfriend Steve who she denied the existence of before he threatened her life and now she's revealed that she has him and he's big and he plays football and he's going to come kick his ass but the killer reveals that he's being held hostage and demands she plays his game which of course I think this movie is to blame for the Saw series but we'll not get into that Um, This game, of course, is horror film trivia. After Casey gets one question wrong, I believe it was the Mrs. Voorhees question. By that is who the the name of the killer in the first Friday the 13th film, which, of course, was not Jason Voorhees. He did not make his appearance until Friday the 13th. Two, it was Pamela Voorhees. But I digress. She got the question wrong. Steve dies. When Casey refuses to answer any more questions, she is hunted through her house, and stalked and murdered by the masked killer. Her parents come home during the events, but don't notice her until after her corpse is hanging from a tree and gutted. Um, The following day, the news media descends on the town, and a a police investigation begins. Not political, but a police investigation begins. Um, This has got one of the best dialogue scenes I've ever seen, showing how heartless teenage kids really are. Stu and Billy and everybody are sitting around discussing this in a very very I guess cold sort of way while all this is going on Sydney Prescott played by Dev Campbell is struggling with the impending first anniversary of her mo- mother Maureen who was murdered uh, by her lover Cotton Weary while waiting at home for her friend Tatum Sydney receives a th- after school that day she was waiting at home for her friend Tatum who was played by Rose McGowan uh, Sydney receives a threatening phone call after which she hangs up promptly because she is not wanting to play this game and she is attacked by the killer who survives uh, who doesn't manage to kill her. She survives by barricading herself in her room with her little, nifty little closet door contraption. Uh, we see that earlier in the film uh, as she stops her dad from entering. Uh, her boyfriend, Billy Loomis uh, he shortly arrives shortly after uh, she seemingly he said he scares the he must have scared him off. You know, she's She's happy to see him, but then he drops his cell phone and Sidney suspects him of making the calls and flees from Billy. Billy is later arrested and Sidney spends the night at Tatum's house where she receives another threatening phone call. This movie did a great job of making me question who I thought the killer was, uh, which direction it was going. You really couldn't tell. I mean, there was one point I thought it was Dewey, the creepy cop brother, uh, played by David Arquette. Uh, The next day, uh, Billy is released and... Suspicion shifts to Sydney's dad, who is away on business, and the calls have been traced to his cell phone. So, you know it's logical that Sydney's dad is away, quote unquote. He's missing. He's making these calls. It's very possible it was his dad who went insane after his mom, after his wife was cheating on him and murdered. Who knows? He could be responsible for all of it. I guess that was supposed to be the smoke and mirrors, and it kind of worked. He kind of questioned it. Uh, school was, of course, suspended in the wake of the murders uh, because, you know, kids don't have to learn after other kids are murdered, I guess. It, it makes sense. Um, after the students have left the school, the ghost face killer, uh, he, goes, he goes ahead and kills the principal, who, by the way, is played by Henry fucking Winkler. The, I mean, the Fonz is the principal. And, of course, Wes Craven does add a nod to his previous film, A Nightmare on Elm Street, by having the janitor dress like Freddie. Oddly enough, that was Freddie's job before he was burned alive by the the, uh, parents of Springwood. Uh, Back to screen, though. uh, Once school is canceled and it's been announced, uh, Tatum's boyfriend, Stu, played by Matthew Lillard, he brilliantly throws a party to celebrate the school's closure. Uh, The party is attended by Sidney Tatum, their friend Randy, played by Jamie Kennedy, by far the best character in the film, who does an amazing job uh, playing the quintessential horror movie nerd, the hero for the rest of us that are obsessed with horror films, uh, and of course many other students. Uh, reporter Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox of Friends fame, attends the uh, attends uninvited to cover the situation as she expects the killer to strike wherever there's a uh, mass grouping of people. Tatum's brother, as we mentioned before, is Deputy Sheriff Dewey Riley uh, played by David Arquette who is also looking to out looking out for the murderer at the party Uh, the killer inevitably shows up at the party corners Tatum in the garage and murders her by crushing her neck with a garage door which I have to say if you ever are kicking the shit out of a masked person trying to kill you just keep beating him until he quits moving unmask him if you have to but keep stomping on his head until you hear the squish don't crawl out of a dog door that's attached to a garage door and who the hell has a dog door on their garage door this makes no sense but either way tatum tries to crawl through the dog door he opens it it crushes her and rose mcgowan is has exited the film billy arrives at the party later to speak to sydney privately and the two um ultimately consummate their relationship as Billy's been trying to get down her pants the whole movie. This guy is like the worst boyfriend I think a chick could try to have and that, beyond what happens later. Like, that's the obvious, but she's grieving her mother. He tells her to get over it. And later that night, he she sleeps with him. It doesn't make sense. But either way uh, Dewey and Vale uh, Dewey Gail are investigating a nearby abandoned car which gives which by the way does give the ability for the most forced relationship building scenes I have ever witnessed uh, while that's going on of course Stu and Randy are all watching Halloween and then Randy gives the speech of the very simple formula on how to survive horror movies and of course the um, students are booing him because he says don't have sex don't party don't drink, don't say, I'll be right back. Uh, most of the party's attendees are, are drawn away from the movie viewing because they hear the news of the principal's death, leaving only Sydney, Billy, Randy, Stu, and Gail's cameraman, Kenny, at the house. After having sex, uh, Billy and Sydney are then attacked by the killer, who uh, seemingly kills Billy. Sydney narrowly escapes from the house, and seeks help from Kenny, but the killer gives chase and slashes Kenny's throat. Uh, Unceremoniously, the cameraman that we barely got a chance to meet dies. Sidney then flees again. uh, Gail and Dewey, having discovered that the car belongs to Neil Prescott, Sidney's dad, returns to the home. They believe now more than ever that Neil is the killer and has come to the party to continue his spree. Gail tries to escape in her van, but drives off the road to avoid hitting Sidney and crashes. Meanwhile, Dewey is stabbed in the back while investigating the house, and Sydney takes his gun. Uh, Stu and Randy later appear uh, and accuse each other of being the killer. Uh, Sydney retreats into the house where she finds Billy wounded but still alive. She gives Billy the gun. He lets Randy into the house and then shoots him. Billy reveals that he, in fact, feigned his injuries and is actually the killer, with Stu as his accomplice. The big reveal here, it was great. Uh, Billy and Stu discuss their plan, like so, some proper Bond villains, to sit to kill Sydney and frame her, the murder spree on her father, whom they have also taken hostage. The pair also revealed that they murdered her mother for and framed Cotton for it, as she was also having an affair with Billy's mother, which drove his mother or Billy's father, not his mother, uh, which drove his mother away. Ah uh, man, you know Sydney's mom was a busy woman. It's I wouldn't be surprised with all the cheating she was doing if Sydney's father had killed her, but you know, it's not right to kill women just because they cheat on you. You just move on, but still, man, this woman is not the woman you want to feel bad for. Uh <clears throat> I can, I'm kidding. It's it's terrible. Murder's terrible. Um Gail has survived the crash. Intervenes and Sydney takes advantage of this to turn the tables on her attackers, knocking out Billy and dropping a television on Stu's head, killing him. Randy is revealed to be wounded but alive and remarks that the killer always resurfaces for one last scare. Uh, Billy then awakens and attacks Sydney. Gail shoots him and it seems like the day is saved. Sydney then takes the gun and shoots Billy in the head, killing him for good. Um, and that's where we, uh, the, the, Danger has been subsided. Uh, the scenes between Billy, Sydney, and Stu were fantastic. Watching them uh, unravel their plan in front of Sydney and explain it, and her calling them psychos, and it was it was just great. Billy's reactions, Stu's reactions. There was one scene, you know, after Sydney manages to get away, she lets Billy know over the phone or Stu over the phone that she's called the cops and. Stu starts crying about how uh, his parents are going to be so mad at him. It was just entertaining. Matthew Lillard is just fantastic here. Um, as um, as the sun rises, though, uh, the police arrive. Dewey, found to be not dead, is badly injured, though, and is taken away by ambulance. And Gail makes her impromptu news report about the nice events. This whole movie was great, uh, mostly due to the smart t- storytelling, but... The actors themselves, I think, really made this movie. Uh, Drew Barrymore, arguably the biggest name on the title sequence, the biggest name on the poster, dies in the first scene. <coughs> that was a fantastic move on, um, on the director and writer's part. Uh, Campbell is probably the best final girl in horror. She took the role of Scream Queen from um, Jamie Lee Curtis, in my opinion, at least. Uh, Jamie Kennedy's role as Randy was... A, he Randy—he played Randy as a lovable and relatable character, at least to us movie nerds. Arquette does a great job playing the Ofish Dewey. Copps, Cox, she stepped outside of, of her friend's comfort zone, uh, as she was, of course, Monica and friends, and knocked it out of the part as the cutthroat and very selfish, sometimes selfish reporter, Gail Weathers. But the best part has to be the big reveal at the end. You know, I, kind of, I discovered, I, I talked about... You know the dynamic between the conversation, but the way that was unraveled, the way the twist was, the way that they used movie blood, and it's just it showed the 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 guy that played Billy Loomis, just he did such a good job. Uh, Matthew Lillard, of course, his over-the-top acting was was spot-on. It was exactly what was called for for this. Uh, the, the the fact that there were two killers the Bond villain-like explanation. What more can you really ask for? After the first watch, though, it does seem that almost easy to tell that one of those two are killers, if not both, but you wouldn't guess that it's both. But you know, by the first time around, no one knew that there was two of them and who they were. Nobody could guess it. This movie was done perfectly. Um, like I said, it was played more like a whodunit than a horror film, but of course it used the over-the-top violence of the horror slasher genre. Um, all in all, I think this movie is great. I think it's a must-watch for any new horror fan. Um, and if it's been a while since you've seen it, I definitely recommend you go and watch it. Uh, definite 5 out of 5, um, or 5 out of... We'll give it a, a 9 out of 10 on the, uh, on the movie rating scale here. It's, it's a great watch. Give it a chance. Definitely don't sleep on this film. It's, it's, it's one of the better ones you'll watch, from 90s horror at least. It's birthed the a ton of movies that were copying it, like I Know What You Did Last Summer, and uh, Urban Legend, and I think there was a, a Lone Wolf movie in there, I'm not sure, but amassed real-life killers doing weird things to, to their victims. It just wasn't the greatest follow-ups from other studios and other films in that time frame. Uh, we didn't get a proper follow-up until Scream 2, which... You know, I'll get into the Scream 2, 3, and 4 in later reviews because, of course, like all horror franchises, they have to continue. Um, this movie, even without the sequels, was a great standalone horror film. It was a fantastic slasher film, a great mystery film, a, a wonderful dark comedy. I mean, it has something for everybody in it. So my recommendation, give it a shot. Give it a watch. You won't be sad that you did. Uh, but that wraps up my movie review from scream. Uh, like I said before, we are still doing the real pundits podcast. This is just my solo show. Alex may join me on this on occasion. And of course, I'll be joining him on the orange show on occasion, but the real pundits will be under a different name soon, which we will reveal publicly to y'all. Um, thanks for giving us a listen here. I'll see you next week with my, uh, next review.